Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Vinny Sicano. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So, you were born in LA, right? I was, or? yeah. I was born, yeah, like eight miles from here. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like growing up with a family of like actors, musicians? Um, you know, I think it's a, that's a, an interesting question because, like, on one hand, like, I can give an answer, but it's also a very singular answer because mm-hmm. it's the only. I, I just grew up one time. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's all I've got. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool. I think the thing that I, I sort of um, have talked about the most is that, like, we weren't, we weren't ever very affluent growing up. We didn't have a lot of money. But because my parents were doing what they loved doing, there was, they were really happy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, of the friends of mine that grew up wealthier than I did with parents who had jobs that they didn't love, you know, I, like, I just think growing up there was never sort of a, a real value of, of, of money above enjoying what you do with your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think to me, that was also like a really important lesson was like that my parents were happy and broke. And mm-hmm. I think that was always like, oh, I could probably be happy and broke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it just made me want to do exactly what mm-hmm. I was interested in my whole life. Did you ever feel like you had pressure to do something creative or like there's all these people around you? Like, you know what is your... It's funny that you, you say that it. because I feel like it would seem like that, but I remember vividly being like a kid and being in like a Bonds or a, a Rite Aid and the mm-hmm. woman at the, at the checkout was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was with my mom yeah. and I said like, I want to be an actor and she is an actress. She was like, oh God, no. Like, I think you have this, yeah. I think you also like as an artist, you know what the hardships of a career like that are and you know what I mean? I think it's like, you don't want to like... I mean, like, I was an actor for a couple years, and you just get rejected a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just sort of the nature of the of the business. For any job you get, you, you went on, you know, 30 auditions if you're lucky, sometimes hundreds of mm-hmm. auditions where they just are like, yeah, you're not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, that's your whole day. It's like driving from the east side where we live to the west side and then trying to find parking for 20 minutes and then waiting in a waiting room for 35 minutes and yeah. then going in and you've prepared your two scenes and you've got to memorize and one of the scenes you've got to like scream and be angry and the other scene you got to cry and they just go like we're just going to only do the crying scene and you're like okay but I prepared the other one and they're like nah it doesn't matter and then you do your like one scene and like the person you're reading with isn't feeding you anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be like in the middle of this like heated emotional moment and the person reading is like, so tell me about the <laughs> night your father died. And they're just like not even looking at oh you. Oh my God. So I think, I think I, I didn't feel a tremendous amount of pressure from them, but I did feel very inspired to do it because mm-hmm. it always seemed like fun being in movies and you know, being on stage. Mm-hmm. So it always seemed like fun for sure. Are they from California or where are they from? Mom's from Colorado originally and dad's from Connecticut. Did they move here? So they kind of just moved here to follow their dreams? They actually moved to New York to be in the theater community. My dad went to Juilliard and my mom moved there to um, be a theater actress and they met each other doing a regional theater production in uh, Alaska. So you like, what happens like you can audition for stuff in New York that Mm -hmm. happens out of state and then they'll fly you together to wherever the 
thing is happening. So they both auditioned. They were like, hey, do you want to go? Because it's funny because it's a sort of a, a less popular community because if you love living in New York and you just want to be in New York, you just want to be there and in it. Mm -hmm. And somebody goes like, hey, do you want to go spend four weeks rehearsing for a play and then four weeks doing a play in Alaska? You're like, I don't really want to spend two months in Alaska. But they were both kind of game. They both thought yeah. it would be fun. And they met doing that show. Um, and uh, yeah, and then that's, that was like 20 something years ago. It was a yeah. long time. And then they put you into the LA, the Children's Choir. Did you, did you want to join that? Yeah, that was, I really wanted to do that. Um, they moved to LA sort of to start a family and get into the film world, which is sort of more Los Angeles based than New York based. And uh, yeah, when I was 11 or 12, I decided I really wanted to be in this choir that a friend of mine was in at the time. Um, and it's a, it was a really, I had a really wonderful experience there. It was like, um, it's kids from the ages of like, I think it's eight to 18 and I'd started at 12 and there's a bunch of different sort of levels of the choir. Um, oh. and, uh, I don't know, it's a little bit like karate choir, right? Where you go like <laughs> up the in belt. the belt. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool because, because it takes itself really seriously and they mm -hmm. work really hard. And I think that if you want to be a musician as a kid, it's great to be in a environment that takes that seriously and, mm -hmm. and fosters sort of working really hard. Do they tra do you travel as well with it? Yeah, you travel in a sort of a, it's like pseudo touring. Like it's mm -hmm. more of like, it's actually really nice. They, it's, it's a lot like a field trip, but yeah. they schedule sort of concerts there too. So they call it a tour, yeah. <laughs> but it's like a week and a half each year you go to like, like the first year I was in it, we went to like, just like Arizona. Cause it was like the lower level choir. And mm -hmm. we did a concert in Arizona and then the second year it was, the East Coast, and we went to uh, DC and Jersey and New York City, and um, just sort of a wonderful 12 days yeah. of, of that. Did some shows, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great. I had a wonderful time. Mm. Billy was in it too. Yeah. Until she was far too busy. <laughs> I graduated. I was aged out. I was 18. I was like, I can't do it anymore. And she was like, whatever, 15 or 16, and suddenly was like, I can't go on your tour because I sold out my own tour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So who are the musicians in your family? Uh, mom uh, plays some piano and some guitar. Taught oh, yeah, me. She taught you. Yeah. yeah, she taught me how to play some chords. And she's a songwriter, and oh. she's a really wonderful songwriter. So she sort of introduced me to that, made it seem like something I'd want to do, and um, never was never was very strict about it ever. You know, I would just be like, I want teach me how to write songs, and she'd be like, Well, there's not really a right or wrong way to write a song. Mm -hmm. It's a billion different songs, but if you want to listen to some music, and we can talk about the structure of it and you know if you listen to a song that you love like and you're young and you don't know anything about it like you can go like oh this is the chorus mm -hmm. and here's how the chorus works and this is what a bridge does and, you know sort of the standard of that um, and then dad plays piano really well what kind of music were they playing in the house when you were growing up there's a lot of it was always an undercurrent of Beatles just mm -hmm. a lot of Beatles and then um, sort of a melange of like what they grew up on and then whatever they were hearing for the first time at the time. Dad has a pretty current music taste, he always has, and continues to like, anytime Billy or I are, are on a playlist, mm -hmm. he goes and listens to like everything that's on oh, that wow. playlist to like keep himself <laughs> up on it. That's so cool. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's big on it. So that was always, like I feel like growing up was like Beatles and then he was like listening to a lot of Avril Lavigne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Avril Lavigne's the best. <laughs> yeah. And then when you were 12, you downloaded, was it Ableton or what was the software? I that started you... using Logic. Logic. Um, I think I was like 
14 mm-hmm. um, and it was because the, the price had gone down. Oh, yeah, about like $600 Yeah, or it went down from like 800 to <laughs> 299 or something, oh. and I'd been saving up for the 800 and so yeah. suddenly I was like, I can afford it, this is great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started uh, just trying to f- teach myself how to produce and watching YouTube videos, and I was really, really terrible. Like, just, just like, professionally terrible, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was obsessed with it, so I just would do it every day. And I'd stay up all night trying to figure stuff out. Because I just, like, I always had an ear, right? I always was, like, listening to music and then trying to figure out what they'd done to make it sound a certain way and get the drums as punchy as, you know? So it was really fun. Um, and I just kind of did that for, for years, from the time I was 14 to the mm-hmm. time I was, you know, today. Was that after the Green Day concert, or was that before? <laughs> that, was, that was after the Green Day concert. I went, and saw, <laughs> I went and saw Green Day when I was like 11 at the Forum, mm-hmm. and uh, I went with my friend Ruby, and she'd like, she was my plug, she'd gotten me into the Green Day concert, yeah. she had a ticket, and uh, I just like, it was like one of those like epiphany moments that you have in your life, where you're like, I want to do that, I want to be, I want to make music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was funny because I, I mean, like, I think I played like maybe some piano, but I'd never played guitar. And I just was like, I gotta do it. And I feel like, I feel like those are the kind of moments that like don't stick. I remember thinking at the mm-hmm. time, like, well, I'm 11 and I've had a lot of <laughs> phases of things I'm interested in that go away. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're yeah. a kid like that young. You're like, I want to be a race car driver, and, mm-hmm. and then it goes away. But it never really went away. I just wanted to be a musician sort of every day after that. It was, uh, you know, just the power of American Idiot, I guess. <laughs> and then, well, what age did you start, like, acting professionally? <clears throat> um, I was 12. I begged my mom for, like, a year to let me start going on auditions. Because um, she was, like... Because, I mean, at 12, like, let me go on auditions is, is code for, like, mom, will you drive me to an audition every day? Oh. Right? So it's... <laughs> They're heavily involved. Um, so you already but, had like a management? That uh, I didn't actually. My mom had uh, an agent. Um, she was uh, at Buckwald, I think, at the time, and they had a children's department. And I just begged her to introduce me to someone at the children's department. Mm-hmm. Um, she did eventually. Um, and then I started going on auditions almost every day. And then I got in this movie called Bad Teacher with, um, I think, Cameron Diaz. And, Justin Timberlake and mm-hmm. Jason Segel, and I was just like a nameless child in the movie, but I was part of the classroom, and the whole movie was about this teacher of a class, so we were there every day and, and, and filmed all the time, and mm-hmm. um, it was really fun. Uh, I made some wonderful friends from that movie. And how long after was it until you did Glee? It was a couple years. Uh, I was 12 when I did Bad Teacher, and then I was 17 when I did Glee. Oh. It was five years. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, both were really... Those were the sort of the, the biggest things I got to do. I did this independent film that my mom wrote in the middle called Life Inside Out, and I did two episodes of that show Modern Family where I played different characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I played this one character, and then, and that was just like a one-off, right? Mm-hmm. And then I got an audition like a year later for another character, and I remember getting it and being like, this is stupid, like I was already on the show, like mm-hmm. they're not gonna wanna have, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no way they're gonna cast me again as a different person. <laughs> And the funny thing about the Modern Family Office is that the casting room where they audition everybody 
has pictures of every person that's been on the show. <laughs> and I was like on the wall, but oh I had God. like long hair. I had short hair in the first oh. episode and long hair again. And they just like cast me again. <laughs> so I, I was in Modern Family twice, which is really fun. That was like, that's like, that is the nicest group of people and like such a fun, man, that's a fun job. Mm -hmm. They work not crazy long days and they improv improvise a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And throughout this whole time you've been homeschooled? Yeah, I was homeschooled um, kind of at first because I was really weird. I was just like a really weird kid with like separation anxiety and um, sort of a shitty temper. Oh, like when you were still in primary school? When I was a little kid, yeah. Yeah. And then as I got older, like all the things I was interested in were extracurricular. Mm -hmm. This is my, this is being homeschooled. <laughs> oh all the things I was <laughs> interested in were extracurricular. And, um, and so I just sort of was able to do those and all and still be homeschooled. And then I did like an independent film when I was 15. And the way that doing movies goes is that they have to hire teachers on set to teach you when you're mm. filming to sort of equal school. Oh. But if you get a diploma, if you finish up high school, um, they don't have to hire a set teacher. Oh. So this independent film didn't have the budget to hire an on-set teacher for me. Mm -hmm. And so they asked if I'd be willing to take a test to graduate early. Oh. And I said, sure. Yeah. So I've sort of technically been graduated since I was like 15. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was mostly your like mom homeschooling you and Billy? You know, it's funny, like, there's a lot of different ways to, to be homeschooled. There's sort of strict, structured ways. There's super loosey-goosey ways. And I think we sort of fell in the middle where they were they were sort of simultaneously like, being an actor means you're sort of halfway stay at home because you work, like acting pays well for the day rate, but you work less days of the year than mm -hmm. you know you do if you're not an actor. Yeah. So they were home a lot. Um, and my dad was a construction worker to pay like our bills, our utility bills. Um, and mom taught other classes. But um, the way we were homeschooled was sort of more like, like they always described it as like life-based. So if they wanted to teach us fractions, right, mm -hmm. we'd bake a pie. Oh. And we'd learn like cooking and we'd learn, yeah. you know, <laughs> like so it was cool. just sort of like, I think to me, and I, I, I sort of hold to this day that like the way to learn stuff and retain it the best in your life is contextualize it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember taking, like they enrolled me in like a geography class when I was um, probably 15, maybe yeah. 14, 15. And it was a really fun class, it was a really great teacher, and I remember sort of like learning all of this stuff about geography, and it's still in the back of my mind, but it didn't really stick with me until I started traveling and actually like understanding geography mm -hmm. sort of from a real life, you drive from here to here, and you fly from here to here, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think if you're thinking about it at 13 and you've never left the country, you're just like, so? Yeah. <laughs> it's just harder to contextualize. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of, it was always context-based learning, and then, Truth be told, like, I've always been a really big fan of figuring stuff out myself, so that was a, a boon in, in homeschooling, was just sort of being a person that was always interested in things and trying to figure them out, mm. you know, teaching myself. That yeah. was always really fun. And then all the money that you made from acting, you put it towards music. Just sunk it right back into studio time, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was fun. I sort of, I deemed that, like college. I knew I didn't want to go to college and I just mm -hmm. was like, well, these are like, this is like college savings and I'll spend time in studios working with people that I look up to and, um, you know, recording with my, at the time, high school band. And... With the Slightly's? Yeah, yeah, the Slightly's. 
Um, and that was really fun. I mean, it was. I'm always. I've always sort of been a studio rat. I've always wanted to like be in the studio all yeah. the time. And I always like. Before I started producing, I hated that as a band, you go into the studio and it's so exciting. Like there's so much gear. And yeah. It's like all these, and it sounds great in there. And there's big old speakers. And uh, and I always hated that as a band you have to like leave. You know what I mean? You do yeah. your like you do your week and you record your songs. And they're like, cool, like, that's fun. And then this, the producer stays and he lives there, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't live there, but he you know, <laughs> works there every day. And I always wanted that. I was like, I want to be in the studio all the time. Yeah. So that sort of was another inspiration behind teaching myself how to produce. Wasn't it also like your friend's dad was like a mastering engineer? Yeah, my friend's dad was a mastering engineer and uh, a sweet guy. And, uh, and yeah, he was like, I think it's funny when, like, as a little kid, you're never more intimidated by someone than your friend's dad, yeah. you know? And so, <laughs> so I was true. always a little bit bashful about asking him questions, but he was very sweet and very um, nurturing in his advice. And the mm-hmm. best piece of advice he ever gave me was that that as long as you think it sounds good, that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Because yeah. it's really true, there's so much gear so much money that you can pour into recording music and mixing music and mastering music but really the only goal is that it sounds really good you know what I mean and, mm-hmm. and if you make something sound good for no money that's the best you know what I mean mm-hmm. sometimes there's like a thing that you need to you know there's a compressor value that you need to throw on something to make it sound like a recording you love mm-hmm. and if that's what sounds the best to you that might be the, the way to achieve mm-hmm. that but I just loved that mentality of like and he was saying that like he said, you're young, at the time I was uh, 15, I think, and he said, you're young and professionals are gonna try to tell you that you're doing everything wrong, mm-hmm. but as long as you like the way it sounds, they can't touch you, because that's, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they were like, his point was, you just go, yeah, but I like, I like how this sounds, I don't wanna mm-hmm. change it. Yeah. Um, and so that was like great, because I think you can always learn, you can always improve, but it's really important to just sort of trust your instincts and let things be the way they are. Mm-hmm. What was the turning point that you don't do much acting and then start doing more and more music? Uh, like I just, just when music became sort of all-consuming time-wise. Yeah. Um, as an actor, I never got to a point where I was like offered roles. I mm-hmm. was always auditioning and um, that's totally fine, but it, that's a big part of your... If you're doing that actively, it's your whole week. You know, yeah. Every day is an audition or two. And, learning your lines at night and making sure you get to the audition the next day and stuff. So, yeah, as soon as music became sessions every day and touring and and writing and recording, I just, uh, you know, realized I didn't really have time for both. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, like, I love the music industry. Like, I love meeting people at labels and talking to A&Rs and just sort of geeking out about it because I'm such a music nerd. Yeah. And the acting industry to me is, like, just, just less... Less where I feel at home. Mm-hmm. I like being on set, like performing, but yeah. I think I think the sort of minutia of, of acting is not yeah. not a world I feel super <laughs> comfortable in. And did you always write songs with Billy, like since you were young? Um, we started writing songs together uh, probably like at the start of 2015. We were working on some ideas together. Um, the two things that we put out before Ocean Eyes came out were. A song called um, She's Broken that I had written for Billy. I thought like, oh, I want to write a song that I'm inspired by, you know, Billy and and she can sing it. And she was into it, which is cool. 
And the second song was this song called Fingers Crossed that she wrote alone. Oh, wow. So we, that wasn't even really co-writing because each of us had written the song separately. Mm. Um, and then Ocean Eyes was just me too. And then we just started co-writing all the time. Yeah. Um, most of, almost everything we put out now is, is a co-write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has your relationship with her changed over time? I think it's gotten better as mm. we've both gotten older. Um, yeah, I mean, I, she's like my best friend, so mm-hmm. I feel really lucky to get to travel with her and work with her and, and, and experience all the things we experienced together. But um, yeah, I think we just have had like, it's been a learning experience. We're both really opinionated, and mm-hmm. I think that's really important in art, to be opinionated and, and be passionate about your ideas. And I think one of the things we always talk about is like, when we're making something we both have super different opinions it's really important to me that one of us wins instead of Mm. i think there's a lot of like happy mediums and compromise in in the world and to me that's like a recipe for like nobody really feeling super passionately Mm. about the end result you feel like well this is sort of a watered down version of what i wanted to make and the other person feels the same way the other person's like this is kind of watered down and i think if two people have two really different ideas and and they're both like i love this idea someone's going to be more passionate about that idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Someone's going to go, all right, you win. Let's go with yours. And and then it's this strong, vibrant color as opposed mm-hmm. to sort of a, a clear, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's been an important lesson to learn is just like letting each other kind of, like letting our passion for something dictate who, who wins that argument. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is it ever challenging mixing like family and business? Super, yeah. I think it's less challenging as it um, progresses because it's just more of what you're used to, you know, becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's like, on one hand, like our whole family just got back from this Billy tour. Our dad helps with lighting direction. Oh, wow. Mom is like sort of day-to-day management. Um, <laughs> and then uh, for Billy, sort mm-hmm. of a, like dual, like sort of a, Billy's assistant and also Billy's day-to-day manager. And then I'm there in her band. Mm-hmm. So we're all on a bus together for like five weeks straight, and before that, Billy and Mom and I had been on a you know separate leg of that tour for five weeks. So it's like a ten-week tour. Yeah. And on one hand, that's a lot of time to spend every minute of with your family. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at at sixteen and at twenty, and and also as a parent with kids. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I know for a fact that like if if Billy or I were doing what we're doing alone or with just each other, mm-hmm. we'd miss our parents like all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if I was if I was touring as a solo artist, you know, which I hope to do, I'm sure it'll be a, a big adjustment, sort of not being with the, the comfort of your whole family. You mm-hmm. know? With like her being your younger sister, are you ever afraid of like the sketchiness of the music industry? <sighs> the, the sketchiness being, like, and, and the seediness of the music industry hasn't really touched our lives directly we've been really lucky and she has a great team and we have wonderful management and a wonderful label i'm terrified every day of like uh people bombing concerts people like bringing guns to concerts that scares me every day mm-hmm. yeah i mean like that christina grimmy artist yeah. who was shot by a calling him a fan sounds weird but he was a fan he was shot by a fan in florida in 2016 um her brother was next to her when that happened, like standing next to her. And so that to me is like, it's, it's, it's like impossible not to put myself in, in those shoes. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, it's constantly terrifying, but you know, we make sure there's security with Billy whenever she's going to and from venues. We make sure that there's metal detectors at the doors. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want. It's it's really it's impossible not to be afraid of stuff like that. I also don't want that fear to dictate the way that we live our whole lives and prevent us from doing what we love, which is playing concerts. Mm -hmm. How long has your parents been on the team? Like, do they oh, still day, do day one. Now? Yeah, day one. They do. Um, yeah, dad does like a lot of voiceover work. He reads like audiobooks, like books on tape. Like he's the narrator when you oh. listen to a book on tape. And then mom does a lot of looping and additional dialogue recording for movies. Um, but it's pretty, Billy and I get to have a pretty exciting thing <laughs> happen every day. Yeah. Um, and we, like, we just love being around our, our parents. And, and Billy is so young that our, our mom is a complete necessity because she's 16, she's a minor, yeah. she needs a guardian. So she's pretty much involved in everything. And um, dad is involved in, you know, pretty much everything too, in, in whatever capacity we can put him in just to mm -hmm. keep the family together. But the creative side is, is all me and Billy. Mm -hmm. That's like, our parents don't really have anything to do with yeah. the recordings or the writing at all. How do you balance now wanting to be a solo act, but then also like need to help Billy out with everything? Um, I think it's actually like, it's funny because it's, it's totally a balancing act and it's always hard to find enough time to do everything. But at the same time, it's so liberating having so much going on that it, it just makes you less, I think there's like, my experience has been that like when you have one project and you put every fiber of yourself into that project, it's just super stressful. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You have this thing that you're like, this is the one thing that defines me and that I have to, you know, use as my sole creative outlet and pour myself into 100% of the time. And I think, to me, it's actually really liberating going, like, compartmentalizing and going, like, mm. today I get to be a producer for an incredible singer, you know, who's also my sister and write a song with her that expresses who she is and expresses how she's feeling. And, and then tomorrow... You know, I'm going through this thing and I'm going to write about it for myself and produce, you know, it's just like nice mm -hmm. to sort of get to, that to me is like where, it, where music has become similar to acting is like wearing a lot of different faces and hats. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'll still like go on tours with her and everything and like produce everything? I want to tour, um, I want to tour with her as long as I, you know, as long as she wants me to be on tour with her. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think pretty much definitely until she's 18. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I think she should, you know, whatever, however she feels at 18, you know, if she's like, fuck off, I don't want, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have my brother and my <laughs> parents with me at 18. Mm -hmm. I totally respect that. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think until then I would feel like I was sort of abandoning her if I was like, yeah, have fun on your world tour at 17 <laughs> without me. Yeah. That just seems like if I were her, I'd be pissed off by that. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure I'm there. And yeah. I also like touring is amazing and I love every minute of mm -hmm. it. So happy to be on tour with her. You never really considered being a duo, right? Duos don't actually do as well and they're less easy to market and so I thought it would be smarter label it just a solo project for Billy mm -hmm. and I also thought that if it was a solo project for Billy having my own solo project would make much more sense. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a lot of like wonderful coverage of her with um, like women of the year and strong women in entertainment oh, yeah. like Vogue did this wonderful piece about like Maggie Rogers and Billy and a couple other really wonderful artists and to me having a duo uh, sort of takes away from the, the, the benefit of being a, a strong female solo artist mm -hmm. in 2018 so I thought that would 
cheapen the marketing of it. Um, and also, it's really like, to be totally, on a totally different note, all of the artistic direction of both of our projects is our own. Mm -hmm. And so, in that sense, it's really not collaborative. I have nothing to do with like the, the music videos or the cover art. Oh. It's all Billy. And oh, the merch wow. is all Billy. And so to me that like all of that imaging and branding is so her and so her brain and the way it all works that that to me is like, well yeah, this is a this is Billy, you know. Mm -hmm. And sort of similarly for me it's like it's just all me. For your song Don't Bring My Heart Again, what are the inspirations behind that? <clears throat> um I think just that that happening. <laughs> I think I I was I was in love with a girl when I was really young. I was like 14. I didn't really see her regularly for like five years, and mm -hmm. then she came to one of my band's shows, and we started talking. And it was like we should get coffee. And then I was like, oh, totally, I'm in love with you again. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was a really wonderful. I don't I don't really have any like. It's sort of a song about letting it happen because it, it makes sense that a person who you fall in love with and it doesn't work out would, would then not work out again. Mm -hmm. But I just loved her and I loved being around her and so I was, I was okay with sort of having my heart broken again. <laughs> and that's kind of the song. It's not a, not a bitter song at all. It's just a song about like, go ahead. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and sort of, I mean that line in the chorus about like being the definition of insanity is like, that sums up kind of the whole song, which is that repeating the same thing is probably going to lead to the same result. You know, it's not going to, you're not going to get together with the person that you got together and it, and it crashed and burned and you're going to get together again and get married and it'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just a song about that thing that I lived through and I wanted to make sure that song was as, it's funny, I, I never sacrifice a good song because of honesty. If, there's, if I'm writing a song and there's a line in it that's not quite true, that's okay. I love, I love fiction, right? And I think, I think people in general are sometimes a little too precious about the truth in their music. They're like, no, this, like, I remember, like, writing a song with somebody and saying something about midnight. And they were like, well, it actually happened at 10.30. And I was like, <laughs> I was like midnight sounds better. Yeah, like, that's 10.30. That's when it sounds, it's like, you know. And, and so I'm, my point is like, I'm always happy to, to embellish or to change my inspiration for the sake of what makes a compelling song, compelling narrative. Mm -hmm. In the case of Break My Heart Again, every part of that song is true. It just happens to all be true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like... I was like, well, this song, I'll write this song 100% true, and then if there needs to be things that are altered to make it a more compelling song, sure. Mm -hmm. And then I finished it, and I was like, I think we're pretty much done. <laughs> that's, that's good enough, you mm -hmm. know. How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you wrote? I hope it's gotten less derivative. I think mm -hmm. when I first started, it was pretty much just me trying to sound like whoever I loved. Mm -hmm. um, at first, that was like... Green Day and My Chemical Romance and like Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And then it progressed into the, you know, there's a band called Bad Sons that I loved. I still love, but I really loved it like 16 and just wanted to, I, you know, I wished I'd been in that band at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a band called The Wombats and uh, The Killers all became sort of heavy inspirations to me. Um, and I would hope that as I've broadened my my taste and my inspiration and sort of come into my own as a producer and a writer it's just it just feels more like a song that I wrote mm -hmm. as opposed to like 
a song that I wrote that could be a Green Day song. Mm -hmm. How would you say you've grown as a person since you were younger? Uh, I'm taller. <laughs> I think I might be more able to have a good time doing the thing that I'm doing. Mm. I spent a lot of time growing up, and I still spend too much time doing it, like, like looking forward to something or looking toward the end of something as opposed to just kind of going like, I'm here today, this is great, I'm having a wonderful time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 I feel myself enjoying my life sort of actively more than I used to. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Um, I don't know, I mean, I've been pretty lucky. Like, mm -hmm. I think the, the sort of, you know, endless challenge that you're never too lucky for is, is like sort of a self-betterment and, and and just being a kind person that's it's it's hard for me to separate like how much of a uh, how much I care about a project and how how important it is to me and how disciplined I am in, in, in my work from from sort of being like a a person you'd want to be around mm -hmm. that's really important to me too yeah. And I think sometimes I can just be so consumed by something that, you know, I can't imagine it's super tight for, like, a girlfriend to spend a day with me. <laughs> I'm probably fairly morose and, and, like, concentrated on a lyric or a rhyme or something, mm -hmm. you know. What does love mean to you? <clears throat> um, I think compassion. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty much synonymous with each other. And I think... Um, I think to me the, the times I felt the most in love with anyone are the times I feel the luckiest to be able to spend time with them and know them. Mm -hmm. And that's just sort of always been the way that I can articulate and understand love is just like some things, like just feeling really privileged to, to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. What does success look like to you? To me, success, I always define success as like not having to have a job that I hated to support doing the thing that I was interested in. Mm. And as long as I had a job that was directly correlated to the thing that I was interested in, even if it was sweeping the floor at a music studio that I loved or coiling up cables for a band that I loved, that to me embodied success. Yeah. So the fact that I get to make a living from my favorite thing yeah. <laughs> is like uh, just a, you know, beyond the coolest. Mm -hmm. Last question. What's what, up? <laughs> what do you want to be remembered for? Oh man, I don't, people don't need to remember me. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I've never been like a big like photo, photo taker. Um, I think, I think like to me it's always been the most important to live through stuff like that. I think as far as a musician, if you make something that people resonate with, that's mm -hmm. that's that's about as as good as it gets for me. When I think about the songs that mean the most to me in my life, they're just the songs that I go like, "Yep, that yeah. me." You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, to me, I think is if if somebody remembers me for anything, which would be which would be sweet. Uh, yeah, being remembered as like a person that verbalized something that people feel is really nice. Mm -hmm. I yeah. love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. <laughs>